0: This is a Radio.com original.
1: So in the end, I've left it together and stuff, and we kind of rode around, but I have no idea what happened to it. I've still got the little Barracuda emblem from the back. I've still got a little bit of the, of the pink slip, the V5, but I have no idea. So I'm hoping maybe one day I'll track it down. I know what the number plate is. So what? the theory would be that you've sold it. Well, I must have done. I can't. I, I can't. I <laughs> I don't remember leaving it in somebody's yard. You'd think they would have had something to say about that, right? Yeah, you would have. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Welcome, a new edition of the Talking About Cars podcast, where it's all about everybody has a car story. From celebrities to car personalities, others in the car industry, and more. I'm Randy Cardoon. This week we begin a whole bunch of new shows and I have to tell you fresh new interviews with TV celebrities, car personalities, hot rod Bob Beck and I searched high and low. We went to the Hollywood Autograph Show near the LA International Airport and talked with some great guests including actor Eric Roberts and his wife Eliza. You remember her from Animal House. Scott Bale from Happy Days. Willie Ames from Age is Enough. They were on a show together called Charles in Charge. Greg Evigan from BJ and the Bear, Radio Great Wink Martindale, who has plenty of Elvis stories, Barry Livingston from My Three Sons, just to name a few. Then, from SEMA, we got some great guests there, too. Chris Jacobs and Adrian Janik, AJ, from the Resto-Modded version of Overhauling. That's right, it's back, and that hits the Motor Trend app very soon. A great interview with Tom Cotter from the Barn Fine Hunter. You see that on YouTube all the time. Great. If you haven't seen it, you need to see the Barn Fine Hunter. In fact, it even shows up on my um, Haggerty email for some reason, because they're a sponsor. That's probably why. Race car driver Dina Parisi, much much more for this edition, number 170. We start off with the man, the legend, Ed China, formerly of Wheeler Dealers. What's he up to? I'd say about six seven, but that's not important right now. Thank you. How is Casual Lofa Motorized Sofa not only got a ticket in Beverly Hills, that's right, but caught fire on the way to Seaman, Las Vegas on Pear Blossom Highway? Of course, Bob and I had to do the interview. I mean, if you're interviewing Ed China, you need to do it on the Casual Lofa, a.k.a. the Motorized Sofa. We asked Ed, how did you get that Motorized Sofa, which he built in England, has an engine and a chassis from a mini into the
1: U.S. to begin with. Well, it was a little bit harder than it might have been. So, obviously, we had to ship it over here. So we put it on a pallet, and then uh, sort of made a little frame around it, stuck in, in, a, in a container, but to, sort of to save time, we actually shipped it to Boston, and then actually then I went across the road uh, to LA and actually, theoretically, it should have been quicker, but actually it took a little bit longer, which is a bit of a shame. But, and, and it also got dropped and bounced and everything else on the way. So I think we'll find another way to get it home. But um, we got here finally and then I had to do a bit of work on the wiring. And then we had a problem with the distributor and so it went on. So we had a couple of sleepless nights, actually, at the beginning of last week. And then uh, we got to finally drive it around town. So we've been all over LA and it's been fantastic.
0: Talk about the hoops you had to go through as far as permits and all that other stuff.
1: Well, the cool thing is because of the unique relationship we have between the U.S. and the U.K., basically any vehicle that's legal in Europe or the U.K. is actually also legal over here. So we don't have to go through the federal test. We don't have to crash it. We don't have to do that kind of stuff. You're just allowed to visit for, say, like six months at a time, yeah. and you can drive around. So the thing is, that's the rules. Unfortunately, the local constabulary don't always understand those rules. And it's fair enough. It's not something they have to deal with every day.
0: All right. So you got a ticket in California. What was that all about?
1: I got an actual citation on Rodeo Drive from a Beverly Hills cop. I think... If you're going to do it, you should do it properly, right? Absolutely.
0: Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Absolutely. I mean, if you're going to get a ticket, why not on Rodeo Drive in Beverly Hills? So, what was he so upset about?
1: Well, actually, he was upset about, I think, just the whole principle of driving a sofa, a raggedy one up and down, <laughs> past Beijing and all those kind of shops. But actually, in the end, he went through, he was quite kind in the end, he went through a whole list of things that could have been wrong with it. And it turned out that I'd actually nailed most of it. Obviously we have, it's legal in the Europe. So you have lights, you have indicators, you have a horn, you have seat belts. And in the end, uh, the fact that the exhaust doesn't exit the, the bodywork, Uh, visibly it was what kind of hung him up and that was what he gave me the citation for so thankfully i mean you can actually see the exhaust and you can have a big fan and of course we sit on the car not in the car so really it's a non uh, i think they call it is that a bs is the technical term yeah (laughs) yeah yeah. sort of citation so i think we're going to be okay (laughs) all right now you had a little bit of a difficulty you were planning to drive this up from los angeles directly here to the show what happened well, directly. We were going to meander a little bit, obviously. But yeah, yeah. no, it was cool. So we, we kind of got up the hill, got onto the high desert. We're on Pear Blossom because it's nicer to go the 14 via Pear Blossom rather than on the 15. And um, everything was lovely. We were kind of just settling in, looking at the wonderful sort of countryside and stuff. And then suddenly the the car the engine sort of stuttered just a tiny bit and um, also there was a small matter of some heat in the back of my head i looked around and i could see a fireball coming out the back of the fan a <laughs> fireball a fireball this is not something i normally see and so i figured we should probably pull over and have a closer look and uh, it turned out that actually one of the hoses had broken the one of the bits that i just hadn't bothered to check before we went out cuz it's been fine for years and uh, it seems that when the hose broke because we have we're running mostly glycol like 100% um, sort of coolant that sprayed out all over the exhaust which was quite hot by this time Yeah. and yeah. that Obviously combusted and that barbecued the inside of the car and much of the fur on the outside. So not ideal, but we did manage to you know, work till about midnight and Imogen was there. Oh, gee. And we got it sorted. So.
0: So, so does that mean you actually have spare fur? that you carry with you?
1: (laughs) Rather weirdly, yes, we did on this occasion. (laughs) We were going to use it for something else, and uh, it turned out it was extremely handy. Even more weird is that it melted the, the vacuum hose that goes to the distributor. I had a spare one of those on board, very, very limited amount of tools, but it turns out it's just about right for everything, which is great. Mm-hmm. in fact actually you know, a local guy tank helped us out and uh, he uh, he gave us a little workshop so we could do some sewing in comfort um, while i was fixing the water hoses and thankfully again being las vegas all the auto shops were open so we managed to find some new hoses some new joiners other bits and pieces so yeah it's been it's been a real adventure actually so maybe next time i'll drive all the way to vegas okay
0: <laughs> well that's something to look forward to of course so you have a history, and you talk about it in your new book, I'd hold it up, but it's stuck to the-
1: table, yeah. Well, of course. Otherwise, it would blow away, obviously. <laughs> well, good point. I'm sorry. Yeah.
0: So uh, I was, uh, it's Ed China, Grease Junkie, and that's where the uh, audience right now should applaud.
1: Yeah, I can Thank see you. that. They're all Thank paying you attention. Your, Thank you. applause. Please, please. They're here. You can put that in, in post, right? <laughs> I will put that in post, yes.
0: I will fix that up in uh, post. So. Grease Junkie, in it you talk about how not only you developed the sofa car, Mm -hmm. but there was a time where you did something about a bedroom car, a bathroom car. Talk about that. We've done all kinds of
1: stuff. So, I mean, basically the sofa was nearly the very first car that I built that was a bit crazy. I did a beetle, a bug that we cut the roof off, welded the doors up, covered it in fur, dressed as cavemen, and drove down to the surf capital of the UK, which is Newquay. So (laughs) like Huntington Beach, only colder. Oh! And... and, um, uh, no, the waves are still pretty reasonable. Less sharks, though, so you don't get Less eaten sharks, while so you're good. surfing, which is nice. Uh, that's um, good. To know. Anyway, so yeah. we we're cruising down to that, and um, and we kind of got in a magazine, and and that kind of gave me the idea. I had to. I went on a, an expedition to Belize uh, with Rally International, and it's like a charity thing. You have to raise some money to go there. And I thought, well, you know, if we can get in a magazine with a furry beetle, we can surely do it with a driving sofa. So that's really kind of how this came about. Um, and then it became a business. So I ended up building a bed and a bathroom, and we've got a giant shopping trolley. We've got a shed. We've got all kinds of stuff. So so it's been, and that was kind of, if you like, my job, if you could call it that. Again, it's like a badly paid hobby uh, for many, many years until really the start the show kind of took on its own life form. And then we had to then sort of drop the company to do more of the show. Yeah.
0: Well, it sounds like you've, you've given new meaning to mobile home. Absolutely, yeah. Well, you lived, didn't you uh, live at one point in a school bus, or at least you put a bus together that you intended to live in?
1: Well, yeah, well, actually, no. I lived in it for about a year. It was actually a double-decker bus, so it's even better than a school bus, except I couldn't stand up in either floor. I couldn't stand (laughs) up in the stairwell, so I think a school bus would have been the best option, actually, but there are not so many of them around.
0: Yeah, good point. Yeah, (laughs) absolutely. Talk a little bit about when you were doing Wheeler Dealers and the show first started up. The, when did it finally hit you that you were kind of a celebrity because of the show? When did you kind of? When did that hit you?
1: Yeah, I get. It's an interesting thing. I mean, I think in the early days uh, we used to do a little live show and stuff in Birmingham, and there was some people who'd come up and they'd kind of want to get autographs. The women used to say, "My husband makes me watch you," uh, which like, which was a nice compliment. Uh, and, then, and then nowadays they actually come up on their own volition, which is nice. But I mean, I guess I well, we, was doing. We we're doing an advert actually with the the sofa down in Spain, um, and I, I was. Busting for a piece. I had to go to the go, go and find the you know the, the toilets in this hotel, and it seemed like it was the closest thing. So I kind of snuck in there, thought I got away with it. As I came out, the concierge comes marching up to me and oh, being completely nailed here. And he goes, Oh, I love the show, it's fantastic. And it's like, wow, I had no idea. So of course, by that time he realized that it was international. You know, the show was being broadcast all around the world, and it turns out now I have to behave myself, whatever country I'm in, <laughs> because somebody's going to be watching. <laughs>
0: <laughs> the show You've moved on from the show, the situation has moved on, and now you're doing all sorts of interesting things. You did a lot of stuff that, I think you even tried to do something in Norway where you were fixing some guy's car in a garage, kind of like Garage Squad, except you did it on your own and you were went to them and
1: you were in other countries. That's right, yeah, so that, that's a show, a pilot we did called Garage Revival. Um, it's one of the many shows that we've been thinking about doing going forward and we're looking for funding for that. Um, basically, It was kind of like we got rid of the buying and the selling of the car because obviously most people never really believed that happened, although it actually did have to happen on the show. Um, And it's also logistically one of the hardest bits to to, to manage other than the stuff in the workshop, because, of course, you know, you've always got to buy the car under duress because we always had a show to make and you always had to sell it so you could finish the episode. So it was always a bit of a pain. So I thought, you know, when when I left the show, one of the main messages that we had all the time from the from the fans was, oh, you know, yeah, if you're not doing anything, come and work on my car. I thought, well, actually, why don't we do that? Why don't we actually try and finish people's projects for them? You know, because we all get stuck. You know, there's you know, the guy who's been a hot rod for 30 years, you know, and he's still not quite there. He's like, well, why don't we just kind of chip it along? So we had some friends in Norway, had a production company. And so we went over the, to Norway um, and uh, to a tiny little town in the middle of nowhere outside Oslo um, and worked on this guy's mark, what was a rabbit, really. arena a mark one golf um, and he had some problem with the authorities. He couldn't he wasn't allowed to soup up his car oh. without doing some work so we found out what could or couldn't be done and we kind of smoothed the path for him got his mates involved and it was a really lovely show actually it and it a real nice bit of heart about it and the idea was we did it all in his mother tongue Norwegian my wife's Norwegian so that kind of helped although I don't really speak the lingo but it was just to give it a flavor of, of where we were as well so the idea is we'll go around the world doing that kind of stuff so that's one show we've done but also I got to play a little bit as well. So I kind of I did some electrified um, high speed amphibian and then set a world record, it's a national record, a, a very famous lake up in the Lake District in the U.K. called Claston wow. Water, where Mr. Campbell set his record and unfortunately died sometime yeah. later. Um, and, you know, but we did some really cool stuff like that. I've been working on an electric ice cream van of all things. So that's like the kind of the main food truck we have in the U.K., um, okay. the soft ice cream. And, and what they do is they turn a liquid mix into ice cream almost instantaneously. So you can imagine it uses up a lot of energy. So they're normally, well ever since the 60s, those machines have been powered by the diesel engine that got the ice cream van to its location. And the problem is, if you're sitting outside a school or at a playground or whatever, a park, then of course all the kids are breathing in diesel fumes (laughs) <laughs> just so they can get ice cream. Well, that doesn't sound like hydrocarbon sprinkles is not something. That yeah, actually. no, you know, no, no, So no. I suddenly thought So we were going to do a world record. We are going to do a world record for the world's fastest all electric ice cream van. And having said yes to that, I suddenly realized I had to come up with a solution to make the ice cream electric. Okay. Uh, so, so I then actually come up with a kit. And so now we can retrofit any ice cream van ever made to electric drives so no longer have to have those hydrocarbon sprinkles with your ice cream. So that's, that's taken up most of my last year. <laughs> All right. So we were talking about that at dinner uh, last yeah. night. And you got into a whole story about the ice cream vendor industry. Yeah. It's in a really interesting world. So I mean, so back in the day in the 70s, it was like uh, so the ice cream was kind of run literally by the Italian mafia. It's a, it's a fantastic cash business the Italian Italian. Well, well, I don't know how much of them there is but I think and it, it was very well organised and there was a little bit of fighting involved and okay. people, you know, lots of baseball bats were turned on ice cream vans okay. just so people could nick each other's rounds and stuff and initially it, <laughs> they had the ice cream van wars and it was actually quite a serious thing and then I guess thankfully culturally things changed so you know, gas stations started selling ice cream you know you had stores that were open more, more of the time so it became less of an exclusive thing so of course some of the sting was taken out of the tail but there's still <laughs> these tribes i very much, so you have the old school Italians. You've got the newer sort of Irish and the Asian guys. You've got basically all these little posse's. And the cool thing is, the people, the event we were at is run by the people who make the ice cream vans. So they're kind of like now the dons. So there's a lot of respect. So then all these people are going around they're like hyenas sniffing each other just to see what's going to happen next. <laughs> but actually, you know, there was no fighting, which was great. But it's a really fun experience, and they do it over two days because there are such uh, warring factions that they won't actually be seen in the same place with each other. So it's a really, really interesting world uh, that I managed to dabble with. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Well, that that almost made me start thinking
0: when you initially said the Italians, I'm thinking, what, gelato versus different kinds of ice cream? No, this is... I can't even imagine Soft ice that cream. happening here in the U.S., really. No, I mean, you can imagine the good humor man and the Foster Freeze guy getting into it. Yeah, I mean, yeah, would it
1: happen, that, yeah. That
0: would be crazy. It's like, you know, somebody going after uh, the gelato guy down the street. It yeah. would be just very weird. But, you know, sometimes maybe Great Britain is ahead of us in some way.
1: Yeah, I mean, you not know, d- so about that.
0: <laughs> well, yeah, you know, I, your, your uh, ice cream pop is now the... Uh, leader to something else and harder. You're yeah. going to go from ice cream pops to soda pops or something. Yeah, I don't well, know. Heaven forbid it gets involved in the soda industry. Yeah. That's for sure. Yeah. <laughs> so I know you've been working on a lot of different projects. Tell us a little bit about what we're, you're hoping to be able to fund and, and
1: without giving it away, certainly. Sure. But, sure. Uh, give us an idea what you're working on right now. Well, so we, we've got you know, a number of irons in the fire, if you like. So, of course, um, the, the book's been going well and it's been quite fun to bring it over here because because the publishing world works a lot slower than I'm used to So that's quite interesting kind of waiting to see how things work But it's like the paperback will be coming out next year So that's kind of fun and then we've been working on so the garage revival pilot. We're looking to make that into a series uh, So again, hence we're looking for some funding We've got some other ideas for some other shows too, but also and I have a YouTube channel so just Ed China, you know on YouTube and people I guess, you know, we get a lot of fans wanting me to, to do more stuff. So I've had it's been a complicated couple of years. So, so we're going to do a little bit more of that. Maybe we'll follow the build of a new sofa, which is electric and ah. amphibious. Nice. There you go. And we should and raise amphibious. the games. Yeah. But also, I've got a giant shopping trolley I built many years ago uh, for the Jackass premiere over here because they actually they crashed it for the movie. Oh. So they put a new one for the for the London market when they actually brought the show out. So I built this thing. It's pretty much street legal but the original electric, electric motors we fitted weren't really up to the job. So I'm, I've got some really fantastic new electric motors because technology has really come on on leaps and bounds. And so that might be another project, which you might also do on YouTube. So if I can, we'll find a way of doing maybe a YouTube series as well as a main sort of main channel series as well. So we'll see how that goes. and then. I don't know, there's always something else that comes up around the corner, you know, a new shiny thing to play with. Yeah, <laughs> all right, we're sitting at the Tech booth. How's that going to help you with that electronics? Well, it's cool actually, well, so well, a couple of things, obviously right now, in fact, with this very second, we are being charged up, I'm being my battery is being maintained by a CTEK charger, the 5.0, um, which is great, but also tech are just moving into the world of EV charging as well, oh. so we recently had installed at our house, uh, we've actually got uh, like a double, like a 22 kilowatt charger, double point, on both the, the sort of the garage side, but also very lucky we live near the the river so we've actually got on the riverside we've also got a charging points, so i can have an electric boat actually if we have and also we can have electric cars on the drive and of course it's that chicken and egg thing it's like well how does that work but if you think about it whenever you go out in your classic car or whatever you take your muscle car out you know you've got to go to the gas stop pretty much first time round because you probably couldn't be bothered to do it on the way home right. this way of course with electric vehicles whether they're classics or something modern you leave with a full charge, a full tank, which is fantastic. So, And that's been really great. So with the electric boat, for example, we can go out, have a bit of fun, come back, plug it in, and it's ready next time you want to have a go. So I think it's definitely part of the future, and that's something I've been dabbling with again with the ice cream truck, is that, you know, maybe electrifying classic cars and stuff, but it needs to be done in a certain way. I think a lot of the stuff that's out there at the moment is a little bit, agri- not agriculture is probably the wrong word, but it's lots of aluminium boxes, and that's not very sexy. I think we need to try and design these things, so the kits, so they are... More of uh, sort of of the era that they were coming out in, you know what I mean. So if you're going to work on an E-type Jag, it should look E-type jaggish you know. It should look yeah. like it came yeah. out of Longbridge or wherever, yeah. and looking looking amazing and, and sort of looking all cast and beautiful. And I think that's working. Mean, so we've got some friends down at uh, down in um, San Marcos, um, EV West with Michael and his team and they helped us out with the Maserati we did on the show. It took right. me six years to persuade Discovery to let us do an electric car and wow. finally, with the Americans, when they took over the show, they didn't really care so we seized the moment and did that There you go. and, and Michael was brilliant and, and, and he's very cool because he'll only do, he only electrify cars that are cool. If they're, any, if, they're, if they're younger than the 80s, he's not interested so the, the Maserati just snuck in because it's super kitsch so that was okay but you know, it's definitely going to be part of our future so to keep our vehicles on the road, I mean obviously we've got more problems with this in Europe at the moment you guys are going to get away with, with, with sort of uh, fossil fuels a little longer, perhaps. But, you know, you can do so much stuff with electric and, and, and it's really, really good fun. Obviously, you've got this huge amount of power, huge amount of torque. So you can actually beat your big block Hemi. You can actually get even more power, you know, for less weight. Mm-hmm. So okay, you don't have the noise. You can listen to your Burt Bacharach on the CD or whatever. Yeah. That's fine because I can see that's the sort of music you're into. Oh, so, yeah. You know, right. It's, right. Uh, so, you know, it's, 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 it's right. going to be an interesting future from that point of view.
0: What was the story the thing when we were growing up where we had bicycles it was, it was. The little Varoom motor, motor on it.
1: The little motor on it. Yeah, yeah. You know,
0: that's almost if you could get that sound and put like a little. <laughs> right, vroom yeah. In. yeah. Yeah, yeah. You know, then, then you would have. You know, you'd take care of the sound and that kind of thing, yet you'd still have
1: the electric power. Oh, no, absolutely. Well, thing is, What's really interesting is in Europe now. It's, this year. It became law that, that all EVs have to make a noise. What? And it was just really mad. Yeah. But, well, because people are getting hurt. Because you know, obviously, if, if you, well, you if don't know it's coming,
0: if you have oh, impaired so you,
1: sights or whatever, yeah. then, Of course, you you might not know that the vehicle's coming, and of course they're quick as well, so they can yeah. sneak up on you when you're not looking. So, but then I'm thinking I've been working with some games companies, so we're, we're sort of we're just getting on a project, which is like a. If you imagine, like, a, a on your phone, you have various ringtones. Yeah. So it be, like, engine noises. And, of course, obviously, the gaming industry has been doing this for years. But So you can put in the throttle speed, the engine load, all that kind of stuff. Sure. And, of course, you get a noise out. And then that could be the Jetsons. It could be something from Star Wars. <laughs> it could be anything. So you can have some real fun with it. Even cartoon noises. You know what I mean? So it would be great. I can, I can
0: Double just, overhead diode.
1: No, I can yeah. just see it now. You know, every time you come to a corner, dun, 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 dun. No, exactly. You could have some real real fun with it. And, of course, I mean, obviously. It means that maybe there'll be a resurgence of really big stereos again. totally the best noise you can make. Yeah, that
0: would work out pretty well. Driving a boombox, I can see yeah, it now. Exactly yeah, that. that would be fun. Okay, long time ago, you and I talked about. You and I talked about how you once had a barracuda. Yes. And you never found out what you
1: did with it. Well, you've
0: had some time on your hands lately. <laughs> Have you found the barracuda?
1: No. Which no? is shocking, isn't it? So it's kind of crazy. So it was a '68. I'd, I'd, uh, I, when I was a kid, I used to cycle around around. You because know, in the holidays, I went to boarding school and in the holidays, you haven't got many of your friends around, so you get kind of bored, so you go cycling everywhere. And I used to keep coming across this old, it looked like an American car or some kind. I wasn't really sure what it was. It was under a cover, under a tarp. And when I came to then I, I was doing, I had an old Volkswagen wedgie kind of van, the Type 25, um, and, or the Type 3, I think you sometimes call it here. Yeah. And um, that thing was, uh, it, I, I put a, a, an Alfa Romeo engine in it, first of all. That was pretty cool. Then I put a, a Rover V8 in it. And I thought, well, what I need to do now is a mid-engine yank engine. I need a, like, a really big go, yeah. American uh, motor in there. And I thought, well, there's that car. So I went and knocked on the door, and the guy reluctantly sold it to me. I got it home and it's beautiful I and mean, it's a beautiful car. And I thought I cannot take this car's engine, this heart of this engine out or the heart of this car out and then just junk the car. That would be outrageous. So in the end, i left it together and stuff and we kind of rode around. But I have no idea what happened to it. I've still got the little Barracuda emblem from the back. I've still got a little bit of the, of the pink slip, the V5. But I have no idea, so I'm hoping maybe one day I'll track it down. I know what the number plate is, yeah. so I can the registration mark, so I can hopefully track it down. In the UK, you can now look things up to see if they're still on the road, what? so that would be a hint. But who knows? So what? the theory would be that you have sold it. Well, I must have done. I can't. I, I can't. <laughs> I don't remember leaving it in somebody's yard. You'd think they would have had something to say about that, right? Yeah, you would. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's that's. So yes? it's a mystery. It's a mystery. But then it's equally my, my, It's funny, my uncle, the very first car I touch on it in the book, actually, the very first car I went 100 miles an hour in was an old Bentley. Um, we were in Bristol um, and there was on this Clifton Common. It's this big wide open expanse and the roof was down. It was just the most exhilarating thing at the time. And I guess maybe that's what lit the fire for me anyway, automotively. Um, and unfortunately, you know, he went to bits of he, he was having it restored. And while it was being restored, the guy who was restoring it. He'd taken it all to bits, died. Right. It's oh. not ideal. And no. at the same time, my uncle was getting divorced. So then suddenly the lawyers got all the money. And then, of course, the car had to be sold in a couple of boxes and it went off and, then, and apparently a couple of years back, it turned up in the US already up, built and running. Wow. So I've seen no. it on, on the web. I've seen some history of it. So maybe one day I'll be able to track it down, and they'll, so they'll take pity on me. They'll give it to me because, of course, Bentleys are quite expensive. Of course, these days. yes. It seems like the honorable thing to do. Yeah. And I maybe one day I'll be able to get to go 100 miles an hour with me driving that Bentley. So that'd be wow. kind of cool. But you know, there's, there must be a series in lost vehicles, right? There, there is. <laughs> uh, maybe the Barracudas in the trunk. Well, I think so. I,
0: I, yeah. <laughs> you know, I think that I think that'll be your next hosting gig. It'll be. Something along the line of Lost Cars with Ed Chida. I'll have Indiana. to get one of those hats I can staple
1: to my head in a bullwhip, right? Yeah, but yeah, go. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Indiana yeah. Jones. That'll work out great. <laughs> By the way, if you guys have any questions for Ed, we're going to entertain your questions here in a little bit. All right, so a conversation I had with your lovely wife last night is about you guys are so busy. You mm-hmm. guys are running around. You know, and I asked her, do you guys, like, watch TV? Do you ever, you know, what do you do when you're kicking back? And she said, you watch a show, there's only a couple of shows as escapist entertainment. One of them being uh, last week tonight with John Oliver. hmm Remember? Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, John Oliver makes a big deal about when he shows shots of the parliament that... They can't. There's a law or something that means you can't show it in England. So instead, they're going to show, or maybe this is Australia. I'm thinking about. But <laughs> no nonetheless, no, no. one of those places. It's one of those things where he'll they'll show instead of shots of Parliament, they'll show some goofy video yes. or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and so you've seen that. Okay, so the question is. Is that the way it is in England or is that no, well, actually, and does
1: he show goofy shots of I mean you know instead of parliament Well I think they do it obviously just for for comedic effect to be honest I mean ah, we have okay. we're very lucky I guess well I say we're very lucky right now our political system is totally screwed clearly <laughs> and there's a lot of people fighting for themselves rather than for the country which is a problem but we won't bother boring ourselves with that yeah. But I mean basically uh, you know the legal system or the parliamentary system for a long time. It has a public gallery. There are video cameras everywhere. So theoretically everybody, all the public, have access to see what's going on. The shenanigans, the tomfoolery, the madness that is that is Parliament at the moment. So, so you know, politics is, well, around the world it seems to have gone a bit crazy. I don't yep. know, It's something in the water, maybe it's the, the, the age of Aquarius is kicking in. I don't know what it is. But obviously we're about right for some change. But yeah, no, certainly we were allowed to see what the politicians get up to. I mean, there's obviously lots of places where they can hide and be secret. but. Oh, yeah. Yeah. you know, But if you go and talk to your politician in the UK, you have you have a representative for each region. And if you go and ask nicely, you talk to their representative, you can actually get a tour of, of Parliament. And it's an amazing place because, of course, it's been there hundreds and hundreds of years and it's been the centre of politics in the UK for hundreds of years. And so there's all kinds of secret tunnels underground. There's all kinds... You, know, you can go up normally up to um, St. Stephen's Tower, which, of course, is Big Ben. Actually, Big Ben is the name of the bell inside St. Stephen's Tower. And obviously, you go in there with your earphones on because it's really <laughs> loud. But no, but it's cool. and it's And it's quite nice to... You know, have that kind of history. In fact, years ago I was here. Uh, we were going around all the wrecking yards and you know, getting the recycler every morning over breakfast, over our steak and grits or whatever it was. And then we'd go and find you know old Volkswagen parts and bring them back to the UK because they're all rust-free. And, and we met a guy who was collecting. His father collected core and stuff of all the starter motors and stuff. Okay. And his his kid, I was sort of sitting at dinner with his kid, and his kid was collecting coins. That's cool. So what's what's your oldest coin? It's just like I've got one there from like eighteen ninety or something. It's like okay. He said, what's the oldest coin you ever seen? It's like. Well, there are Roman ones, which are like, you know, 3,000 years old. And this kid, I was, his mind was blown because, of course, obviously, our history, thankfully, goes back quite a long way. And yeah. obviously, I guess you guys, as a, as a young country, yes. obviously, it's, it's a whole load of new experiences. Right. So it's quite interesting, that difference in culture, you know, because obviously when we used to wait in America before you took over, you know, it was kind of <laughs> nice, right? <laughs> yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah. Just a
0: couple more questions. We appreciate the time. Yeah, sure. And again, uh, if anybody here has any questions they'd like to ask Ed, come on by here. We'll entertain those. Uh, okay, so are you familiar with the TV show MacGyver? Yes. Okay. So what would he do? What would yeah. he <laughs> do? It's always got something to do with uh,
1: duct tape, tube socks, uh-huh. and some sort of wire. I must say I too. prefer the original version. The new yes. one is a little bit sucky. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> <Yeah>. Okay, so <laughs>
0: instead of having to you know pay every time I mention the word MacGyver, uh, tell me your best tube sock story where you had to put something together using all wow. sorts of oddball parts
1: bailing wire or whatever you had wire, yeah spit and polish whatever. wow that's interesting yeah. one of the ones one of the little top tips which was really fun which just came out came to me the spur of the moment was um we were doing i think it was a s maybe it was a subaru and i think we were putting a big intercooler on it and so we had a sheet of aluminium we had to sort of aluminum that we had to put on and we had to work out where it was going to draw the holes and so i was think well how do i do it so i got a little bit of grease and i put that into the hole you know it's like a threaded like a nut whatever and i put a little ball bearing in that and put the aluminium up and tapped it with a hammer and then of course suddenly okay. I had a little mark to draw the holes right so it's, it's not really chicken wire and stuff but it was actually one of those things where we just had stuff lying around the workshop and it was just perfect for and that. it worked but i mean i've done stuff like we had a, an old sandrail. Um, you know, over here you're really lucky. You've got you know all these all these big national parks, where right? Like El Mirage or those kind of places. You just go out into the boonies and, and just drive until you run out of gas, or till you blo- break something, or till you get arrested, or whatever. So yeah. it's fantastic, yeah. you know. And we, we don't really have that. So the closest we have is the army or the military. Emad had some areas where they do exercises and stuff, and you're not supposed to go on them. So obviously, as a kid, you do, all and, right. and they used to take the sound right out there. And uh, so on a couple of occasions, you know, we we I remember once we actually. We were driving around some of this land, and they, we went into this field where there used to be loads of forest, and they chopped it all down, and I got completely caught. Um, oh. I mean, I had this exhaust underneath, and I ripped it off, and then we had to kind of, like, stick that together to get home. So that was a bit a bit crazy, but also we broke the suspension, and we did a lot of damage to that thing, and there's always ways around, but we have, like, AAA in the UK. Right. They let you do all kinds of cool stuff. You know, you can go all over the country. Oh, really? It's the 100-mile limit. Yeah, so because okay. we, we, we're in a smaller country, we get away with a lot more. So mm. normally we can get out of things that way, but I, I can't think of anything really exceptional that we've done with chicken wire and gaffer tape. just yeah tube socks. <laughs> just yet give it time give it give it time I'll, it'll you'll come to me chairs. it'll come to me yeah
0: bring this back to the country here and you're and you'll
1: you'll get that chance yeah exactly right. <laughs> so, question so over there let,
0: let's try something here real quick okay all right simple question what's your name my name is tyler jacobson where are you from tyler uh morgantown west virginia morgantown west virginia yeah that's not uh, that's not you sounds like a song actually yeah (laughs) you just won something No. okay so give us a question for it um are we gonna see garage revival anymore
1: well yeah thank you Uh, it's basically that so that's the pilot we did last year in norway we were talking about earlier and um absolutely so we've been talking to a number of channels and they all want like they love the show, but they want to do something different to it. So we're trying to work out what the common denominator is. We're going to try and get some funding together. And we're just going to go ahead and try and make the show our way, because I want to go all around the world. I want to do all kinds of vehicles, not just cars, you know, bikes, tractors, boats, planes, whatever, something mechanical, something with engineering involved that's something that needs fixing. And I think it's an opportunity for us to really explore some crazy stuff. Um, but some, also some really interesting stuff because the weird thing is like back in the day many boats had car engines for example and obviously right. many cars back in the day had like bike engines or b- bicycle engines and stuff so you know it would be really interesting to see how all that stuff fits together so yes hopefully sometime soon keep watching YouTube and I'll announce it when I know <laughs> I've watched that episode like 10 times thank you very much I, okay. I love seeing the other um, the other aspect like different car uh, cultures and
0: different exactly. countries it's yeah. very good and helping somebody out that's kind of stuck on a project just, it's cool. Wonderful. I, r- I really love, love your show. Love, love what you do. I got your, I got your gloves. <laughs> and I got your autograph. And my wife gave it
1: to me for my birthday last oh, year. Oh, awesome. also, yeah. Well, thank you very thank much. Thank you very much. I appreciate your time. <laughs> I should shake your hands. All though. right. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> right now. Yeah, we,
0: we, you and I can keep it busy for weeks at our houses. Oh yeah.
1: All the Yeah. Stuff. Our cars. Yeah.
0: Anybody here have a question they want to ask Ed about anything? Any questions? That's fine. It's signing autographs here. You know what? I'm also curious about it. You know, with the book. One of the up—he's oh, doing a selfie with our guest. Thank you. That's okay.
1: What I have a face for radio, so it's working <laughs> out well. Well,
0: hey, uh. <laughs> what, everybody who has read the book has different parts of it they really like. What
1: was your favorite? One of your favorite stories from the book? Well, it's kind of interesting, actually. I mean, because one of the, one of the, the fun things about the process, because when you when they first come to you and say, "What well, do you want to do a book?" It's like, I don't know. Is it going to be painful? You know. And actually, it turns out that there's bits of it that are quite painful. Lots of it's very therapeutic. All those anecdotes. I mean, that's the hardest thing is all the anecdotes you've been telling for years and years, thinking they're hilarious. You see them in writing, you go, "That's awful. I'm never going to tell anybody (laughs) that story again." again, So there's a lot of triage, and again, Imogen helped an awful lot with that, just making sure we didn't, you know, embarrass ourselves any further. So I mean, I guess, I mean, one of the difficult ones, I guess, was talking about my dad, you know, and and obviously how we sort of lost him when he took his own life when I was very young, and that was kind of, and we needed that in there because obviously that's part of the driving force that drives Ed, if you like, and so it's kind of interesting, and, and we have this thing where. I guess we kind of think of Ed off the telly and then they have myself. And then it's kind of like, so we're two different people but of the same being, if that makes any sense. So it helps keep your head straight. And so it's kind of interesting trying to understand, you know, you, know, you learn more about yourself through this process. So I actually really enjoyed it. So we're gonna to have to try again to do some more. You and your way through, how long did it take you to write that? Well, it was about, it was a couple of months, I guess in the end, because we started off actually with a ghostwriter and that just didn't work out. And so we ended up, um, we sort of, we, we just went crazy, crazy, crazy at the beginning of the year. And we just had to, I mean, maybe it was only a month actually, I don't know, it was a lot of intensive time. And we'd write a paragraph, go and walk, go for a walk in the garden, come back, kind of mark it, rewrite it, redo it. And then we did the same thing with the photos as well. So, you know, we, we weren't happy with the way that the publishers were started out. So we went, right, I'll learn that software, I'll get that sorted. And so it was actually a really involving project, but it was really fun because of that.
0: Where are you from, I'm from Seattle, Washington. Ask the question. Um, You know, you you look like you do take a lot of safety precautions when you're doing automotive work. Is that uh, something you've always done or is it just on the shows or because you have to?
1: I guess, yeah, well, you, I guess it depends on how busy we are, right? so, yeah, so I remember mean, well, the gloves thing started a long time ago. I suddenly realized I had a blood test and realized there was a lot of stuff that shouldn't be in my blood that was. I thought, you know what, maybe we need to stop that. So that's where the gloves thing came from, really, and uh, and that kind of stuck. And obviously, when you're a kid, you're invincible. So you just do angle grinding with sunglasses and no air defenders. So now obviously <laughs> we all have tinnitus, which is no good. So I guess as time went on, you kind of realised that actually you need to look after yourself because, you know, I've got friends with missing fingers and limbs and deafness and blindness and whatever. So you kind of like, yeah, you need to look after to yourself you know this, this, this can be very dangerous especially now I'm playing with electric stuff that stuff will kill you real easy so yeah it, it's important to look after I gotta
0: ask this question you've done a lot of interviews with your book and a lot of other things how many interviews have you done where they never brought up the whole deal with wheeler dealers
1: well, actually, a fair few, sorry, a fair few really, because, I mean, it's kind of old news, right? It's like three yeah. or four years ago now. And, and you know, they're cracking on making the show the way they wanted to make it, which is cool. You know, we're going to have a new show at some point. Right. And, and I'm getting to do all the stuff that I didn't have time to do, you know, like, because you know, obviously, we were doing 20 shows a year. There was no time for anything else. Right. So, so I was just in the box all the time. And so to play around with all the stuff I've got to do in the last three years, it's been awesome. I, I also figured
0: that maybe we'd be the first one not to do it. But then again, and I? And you started. I just, yeah. I you, you did, it did, it, did it. Your I, fault. Yeah, you so, broke that. You broke that completely. <laughs> <laughs>
1: there goes our reputation.
0: Ed, thank you so thank much you. for the time. Great to see you again. Thank you. And uh, <laughs> again, continued success. We look forward to seeing whatever project you're working on, and uh, we
1: certainly will get an update when that, when it becomes official. Absolutely. We'll see you sometime soon after you've got everybody to go and buy the book off Amazon.com. Come on. Yes, Amazon.com in <laughs> China
0: Grease Junkie. Check it out. Great to see Ed China, formerly of Wheeler Dealers. By the way, on a side note, after SEMA was over, Ed, his wife Imogen, and the crew took the Lofa to San Francisco. Yes, he was going to drive it down Lombard Street. Check out Ed's social media for that visual. Hey, thanks for listening, and please share our show on social media. Subscribe, it's absolutely free. Leave a comment, like it. Tell your friends about it. Come on, we have Ed China on this show. And don't forget to check out Ed China's book, Grease Junkie, at your local bookstore. Or you could order it online. Our website is TalkingAboutCars.net. You could follow us on social media, on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Also, you could listen to us on Radio.com. And knx1070.com, click the audio tab. And don't forget to check out Hot Rod Bob Beck and his Great American Auto Scene, Gas, G-A-A-S. You can catch it on his Facebook page every day at 11 a.m. Pacific time, which will include some live reports from London. That's right. I don't think he's visiting Ed there, but he has some big stuff he's going to tell you about. And, of course, once a month I join him on his Great American Auto Scene show, Uh, from Southern California, and you can see that on Facebook and GotGas.com. Until next time, I'm Randy Cardoon. Join me and Hot Rod Bob Beck as we have some fun talking about cars.